You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 80 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today we are talking about how to sprout seeds for eating, not for planting, not for growing into seedlings and transplanting outside, but purely for eating. It is a great option, a great way to grow fresh, super nutrient-dense greens, microgreens, sprouted seeds at home, but there are a few interesting little tips and tricks that can help you do it a little more successfully that I've kind of figured out in my own seed sprouting adventures, and I'm going to be going over that with you today, but first, a word from our sponsor. So back in 2019, which honestly feels like a million years ago, Mr. B and I set ourselves the challenge, or rather, I set us the challenge and Mr. B obliged, (laughs) of pretty much only eating produce that we'd grown ourselves for the whole year. And I honestly kind of figured that we were doomed from January to April as far as as certain things went. I knew I had a lot of pasta sauce. I knew I had a lot of, you know, jalapenos that I had frozen. I had some onions. I had some garlic. So I had options. I had lots and lots of winter squash, thankfully, because that stuff keeps forever. But I knew I was really going to miss salad greens. And around about February, I was right. I really kind of started seriously jonesing for those things. And it's no wonder, right? February is about the time where you start really, really getting sick of the cold. You know, the holidays are over. You are ready for it to start warming up. And Mother Nature is just not obliging. I was like, well, we're kind of stuck because I can't really grow any greens. And then I had a light bulb moment. And I was like, oh my gosh, we could sprout seeds like alfalfa sprouts and mung bean sprouts. And we can also grow microgreens. Obviously, you can't grow, you know, make a whole salad out of microgreens, but really nice, nutritious garnish for certain flavors that would still kind of like fulfill a little bit of that craving for fresh salad greens. So started growing jar after jar and tray after tray of sprouted seeds and microgreens. And I learned along the way that there are a lot of little kind of must knows (laughs) that, you know, that you need to be aware of in order to do it successfully. So going over all of those today. And the very first thing that I want to make sure is very clear to you, if you are thinking about sprouting seeds for eating or microgreens, is that You make sure you purchase seeds meant for sprouting and eating or meant for microgreens, especially if, you know, you are committed to organic gardening or eating organic produce, because 
Not all seeds come from organically raised plants. And in fact, a lot of those vegetable seeds you order probably aren't unless they are specifically designated as organically grown. They don't come from organic fruit. And for a lot of us, that's okay because even if we don't buy organic seed, we are planning to grow them organically. And so once they grow into a plant, by that time, any pesticides or herbicides has sort of worked their way naturally out of the system. But The problem with eating seeds, you know, meant for sprouting and eating or microgreens is, you know, if they were exposed to pesticides or or herbicides, that's what you're, you're eating. You know, the plant doesn't really have a chance to go through that life cycle and kind of have those things sort of filtered out of it before it then goes on to produce fruit. So... It's really, really important that, you know, you're getting seeds that haven't been treated with chemicals, that they're organic. And my favorite place to get seeds for sprouting and eating or microgreens are Johnny's Select Seeds. You've heard me talk about it before. They're my go-to for a lot of things, definitely for seeds that are for sprouting and eating or microgreens. And then Park Seed is another really great uh, seed company for those things. So sum up really quick. Make sure that the seeds you're getting for sprouting and eating or microgreens are organic. Number two, okay, you need special seeds, right? You can't just get any old seeds. You need special seeds. But the good news is you don't need a special sprouting container. When I first started doing this, I did a whole bunch of Googling, and there are so many, oh, you guys, I understand everybody needs to make money. And, you know, people invent really some really pretty cool, amazing things. But, you know, if you don't have the budget for them, it's okay if you don't buy them. A regular old canning jar and some cheesecloth works just fine for sprouting seeds or beans for eating. You absolutely do not have to have a special sprouting container or special sprouting gear. If you don't have cheesecloth, a paper towel will work. You'll see from the pictures in the sister post for this episode that I use a paper towel. It's totally fine. It works just the same. As long as it's breathable, you're good. So let's move on to how to do it. Your first step for especially sprouting seeds for eating or beans for eating is to soak them. And a lot of us soak seeds or certain kinds of seeds um, before we plant them, right? So this should seem pretty normal. You'll want to place probably no more than a tablespoon to start in a quart size mason jar and then add a quarter cup of water to the jar. Doesn't have to be anything special. Doesn't have to be distilled water. If you have good drinking water in your home, use tap water. Um, Again, nothing super fancy is needed to get started other than the seed. You will get almost a full quart of alfalfa sprouts from just one tablespoon of alfalfa seeds. And that it leaves you a little bit of room in the jar for them to air out you know, between rinsing, which we're going to talk about, which is a good thing. You want them to have room to air out. Otherwise, some kind of nasty stuff like bacteria can happen due to them having kind of like an anaerobic environment. So you won't get a full packed quart of alfalfa sprouts, but darn near close, right? So tablespoon of seeds, quarter cup of water. 
place a piece of folded cheesecloth, paper towel, whatever you got handy that is breathable and clean down on top of the mouth of, a jar, of the jar. And then use your canning lid, you know, your screw band. Don't put the, the lid on it, right? Just use the screw band to kind of keep the paper towel or piece of cheesecloth anchored down. Um, you can also use a rubber band. Once everything is nice and secure, let the seeds soak for at least eight hours or kind of like do this before you go to bed um, and let them sit overnight at room temperature. Um, room temperature, you know what? Most people say room temperature is about 72 degrees. In the wintertime in our house, honestly, like our house gets down to like 62 degrees at night. That's perfectly fine. It's not... It's not going to be that big of a deal. You might notice a little bit, seeds are a little bit slower to sprout when temperatures get down that low, but eventually they, they will sprout. So what does this soaking do? Well, this nice long soak, you know, usually when we soak seeds before we plant them, we only soak them for an hour or two. This ni nice long soak of eight hours gives the shell around the seed time to soften and lets the seed know that it's it's sprouting time. It's time to get in gear. The next day, um, or after eight hours, depending on you know if you soaked your seeds overnight or not, the next step is going to be to let them drain for eight hours. At the end of that eight hours, you're going to want to run a little bit of water over them and like fresh new water. So take the cheesecloth off, paper towel, what have you, take it off, add, you know, say another quarter cup of water, swish them around nice and gentle, put that cheesecloth or paper towel back, and then drain them again. And you're going to repeat this process, I would say, two times each day. But honestly, even if you only remember to do it one time every day, which is kind of usually a out how I do, <laughs> um, it'll, it'll still work out just fine. The reason why you want to rinse and drain at least once a day, preferably, you know, more like two times a day, is it keeps the seeds from getting moldy. So if you think about how you put flowers in water and you let that water sit for you know, more than a day, definitely more than 48 hours. It starts to get cloudy. It starts to get kind of gross. And if you are planning on eating these sprouted seeds, you do not want that water to even have a chance to get gross. You don't want those seeds to have a chance to get gross. So that's why we are constantly rinsing and draining a few times every day. So what I would usually do is I would rinse my seeds in the morning before I left for work. So this is obviously pre-pandemic. I would rinse the seeds first thing in the morning, set them to drain. At the end of the day, when I got home from work, I would rinse them again and set them to drain. If you want to, you can rinse them for a third time and set them to drain one more time before you go to bed. And then you start the whole thing over again the next day. Every time that you're adding water, it does not have to be a ton. Do not shake the living daylights out of your seeds. Just kind of swirl around the jar gently and then leave it about a 45 degree angle to drain out. Obviously, you don't want the jar, the mouth of the jar, the part that's draining to be like down into the bowl because once the water drains into the bowl, 
then everything will be submerged again. So you need to find a way to kind of like prop it up. What usually works for me is if I would prop it up like into a drinking glass and the jar itself would be propped against the wall. So the circumference of the glass would be narrow enough that it wouldn't let the jar kind of like fall down into it. And then the wall would keep the jar from just like falling down onto the countertop. It took a little bit of trial and error, I'm not going to lie, to figure this out. Find what works for you. While your seeds are kind of rinsing and draining and rinsing and draining and rinsing and draining, set everything in indirect light. And after two days, you should start to see the sprouts emerging from the seed. So this is pretty fast, and the reason why it's it's pretty fast is because you soaked them for a whole eight hours, and once you start seeing the seeds sprout, you're going to want to keep rinsing and draining them, become even more fanatical about it two to three times a day, but set the jar in indirect sunlight as it drains. This will allow the cotyledons to start greening up, but be sure to not set them in direct sunlight. That would burn the tender new sprouts, especially when they're stuck in a jar like that, even though you have given them some oxygen flow by putting cheesecloth or paper towels on top. It's still probably going to get way too warm in that jar if you put it in direct sunlight. So make sure you put it in indirect sunlight, you know, on your kitchen counter, close to a window, but not where the sun's rays shine directly through. Also, you know, you want to be sure not to place them in a cold, drafty window um, because temperatures colder than 70 degrees will start to slow down the growth of, of the sprout. After about a week and a half, maybe two weeks, your sprouts are going to be about three inches long. Whether you did alfalfa sprouts or mung bean sprouts, those are those delicious, crunchy um, sprouts that you see in a lot of Asian soups. They're going to be plenty long enough for you to eat that at that point. So, Once they're that long, you do one last rinse and drain for a few hours. And then what you'll do is you'll need to hull them. And what hulling is, is just removing all of those teeny tiny little seed shells and unsprouted seeds from your finished sprouts that you plan to eat. You'll find that most of the empty seed holes or seeds that haven't sprouted will stick at the bottom of the jar when you go to drain them the final time. And this honestly saves a decent amount of work. Take the sprouts out of the jar, place them in a clean bowl. Make sure they have room. So make sure that it's maybe a little bit bigger bowl than you need. And then fill the bowl with clean water and swirl the sprouts around. Then use a fork to remove the clean sprouts, again, whether they're alfalfa sprouts or mung bean sprouts. Um, Remove them from the water and put them in a clean, dry container. I know this seems like a a lot of trouble to kind of hull the sprouts, but removing the seed shells will help you avoid contamination from bacteria. And it's also kind of weird getting a whole bunch of sort of like crunchy seed shells when you're not expecting them. Once the sprouts in the bowl are mostly dry, so don't put them in the refrigerator or anything like that right away. You want to give them a chance to dry a little bit in the bowl once you kind of pick them out of the water with the fork. 
Once they're mostly dry, though, you can go ahead and store them in a covered container in the fridge, and they'll stay edible for several days. I would say around five days. After that, they're going to start to brown. They're going to start to go mushy. They're going to start to smell funky. And if they start to reach that point, even if you're just kind of like, eh, better safe than sorry, toss them in the compost and start a new batch. I would have, I would say, three jars going at a time. Back when I was doing this a lot, when we were only eating produce that we grew ourselves, I would have a jar that was pretty much ready to eat, a jar that was halfway through, and then a jar that I had just started. So I sort of constantly had a a rotating supply because it does take about two weeks from start to finish to grow your sprouts. I had a rotating supply of alfalfa sprouts and bean sprouts for various uses, you know, salads and sandwiches and toppings on dishes. But, and this brings me to sort of the next half of this, you do not have to stop at alfalfa sprouts or bean sprouts. You can grow microgreens. They are a wonderful way to get tons of fresh flavor and nutrients into your winter meals. You can use them to top just about any dish from like a meat entree to a soup or a stew. It's fantastic. And it's it's really unexpected, honestly. Um, I have a few favorite microgreens to sprout because they really pack a punch in terms of flavor, but there are tons more than these. So my favorites are arugula, mustard, cilantro, which tastes just as strong and cilantro-y as, you know, regular cilantro, sorrel, which if you've never had sorrel before, it has kind of like this really bright, beautiful lemony flavor, and then basil. So all of these things are honestly pretty quick to sprout. So that's another reason why they are great in terms of microgreens. And It's done a little differently than sprouting alfalfa seeds or mung beans, though. So instead of sprouting them in a jar, you're going to want to sow them in a seed starting tray or a block of soil, just like you would if you were starting, you know, seeds to grow into seedlings and transplant outside. You typically want to grow them until they start producing their first true leaves. So not the the initial two cotyledons that they put out. Wait until the next set of leaves grows out. But you can, honestly, you can eat just the two cotyledons if you want to. The thing is, is the cotyledons sometimes, depending on the plant, they don't have a ton of flavor. It's those first true leaves once the once the little seedling has started kind of up and running and photosynthesizing, that it really starts to develop that that telltale scent or flavor that is particular to that herb or that green. So if that's what you're seeking, you know, make sure that you're letting your microgreens grow to that point. Again, Johnny's is my favorite place for microgreen seeds. They have pages and pages of options, the majority of which are organic, like I said. With my microgreens, I guess it's not as important that you get organic, but I still do it. So the thing with microgreens is, is you are cutting it off above the soil level. You know, you're not eating any part or you're not exposing the, the microgreen to any part of the the seed shell that could have been exposed to pesticide or herbicide. is just kind of growing out of that. But my thought is kind of like, well, it's still 
pretty close to that. So yeah, I'm gonna grow organic microgreens still. The nice thing about growing microgreens is you can sow them very, very heavily in a seed starting tray. So normally in a seed starting tray, we only do like two, maybe three seeds per little one by one inch square in a seed starting tray. You can go absolutely nanners and just, I don't know, 20 in a little one inch by one inch um, cell in a seed starting tray because they don't need a lot of room to grow. You're gonna just snip them off as soon as they start to develop their, their first true leaves. And it's definitely, you know, there's going to be enough energy there for them to do that. Because everything when you're growing microgreens needs to be sterile, you want to make sure that you've washed out your seed starting tray, that you're using a sterile seed starting mix, and then obviously, you know, don't just use like your pruning shears or something like that to cut your microgreens when you're ready to harvest them. Use your kitchen scissors or something that you clean very often to harvest your microgreens. That's really important. Again, we just want to avoid the spread of bacteria in our food and being careful with how we grow and harvest our microgreens helps us do that. Just like hulling those seed shells out of sprouted alfalfa sprouts and bean sprouts in a jar, you know, removing those helps us avoid getting bacteria into our food. Obviously with microgreens also, you're going to need a light source. You are going to need either a sunny windowsill or you're going to need, you know, a fluorescent light or a grow light of some kind. I use fluorescent lights exclusively to grow my seedlings. They work really well. You just want to make sure that you have both a cool light and a warm light, as I've explained in previous podcast episodes. So you need, you know, a few more supplies for growing microgreens than you do for sprouting alfalfa sprouts or bean sprouts or any other other kind of seed for eating, right? So it becomes a little bit more, I would say, expensive, a little more intensive in terms of like the space that it, it requires in your home. But still, I would say both of them are just as valuable, just as fun, and just as wonderful a way to get fresh greens into your diet if you're committed to growing things yourself in the wintertime, especially. So that is all the down low on how to sprout seeds for eating and how to grow microgreens at home. Like I said, the sister post for this episode is linked in the show notes. I have a few links out to, you know, Johnny's seeds. I have a few product links in there that you guys are welcome to check out. And you can also see kind of the progression, what it looks like from day one to, you know, up to day six. And then the last day when I finally harvest out alfalfa sprouts, what that looks like. Um, so feel free to check that out. In the next episode, I'm going to be continuing to talk about sprouting seeds, but we're 
this is for a different reason. We're going to be talking about how to test sprout seeds to determine their germination rate, right? The viability of the seeds for this year. So if you have these leftover packets of seeds, how the heck are you supposed to know how many you're supposed to plant if you want like eight tomato plants and you have tomato seeds that are like five years old? How do you know that you're not overseeding or underseeding or what have you? You test sprout your seeds. And I'm going to be telling you all about how to do that in the next episode. If you do not subscribe to my monthly newsletter, I encourage you to do so. Just head over to beeandbasil.com and you can sign up for the newsletter at the very top of the homepage. You can also sign up over on the right-hand column. There's a little widget in there that allows you to sign up. I never, ever spam. I only send out the newsletter. Right now, I'm sending it out once a month, and I never sell your information to anybody, um, your email address. I wouldn't even know how to do that, honestly, if I wanted to, and I'm too busy to try and find out. So, you don't have to worry about that, but it's really exciting because I have definitely amped up that newsletter for 2021. It's got a lot of useful stuff in it. So um, if you don't subscribe, I hope you will check it out. And with that, thank you so much. I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.